prepositions and prepositional phrases and so on and so forth. And each year, though, you built upon the previous year's lessons. You heard all that all the way through when you were talking about grammars, but you built upon them uh, the farther you went in school. And um, so uh, it's the same thing with us. There's some of us saints, some saints of God have been walking with the Lord for a while and others, you know, just now starting out, if you want to put it that way, but then, um, you know, we're getting the same message. Uh, but then what we do with them where we're at in our spiritual walk, that's the key. Is So the, the younger ones, you know, they're still learning the verbs and we're still, we know, we know more as a saint, as a, as a, a seasoned saint, we know a little bit more what to do with the verbs and adjectives, whatever, whatever the subject is, whereas the young ones are just learning it. Uh, but it still yet applies to every one of us regardless of where we're at in our walk. And I, I thank the Lord for that. He, 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 his word is that way. And that's one of the reasons we have that living word. Uh, and it's, it's always fresh. You read a passage and, and one time you get some, one something out of it. And you read it again and you get something different out of it. Same passage. And so, uh, again, he speaks to us where we're at in our lives. And we just need to grab a hold of it. That's the thing. And... Um, and apply it. Uh, lots of times, and I've kind of, you know, used this as, a, as an example before. We used to joke around with, uh, especially with Brother Steve at Island Ford. He's a great teacher. If anybody's ever heard him do any of his Sunday school, he's just, he's just got a way. And God uses him. God, you know, he makes teachers. That's <laughs> uh, a gift to the church. Not just preachers, but teachers. And, um, and he, he handles the word well, and so well that some people have tried to put preaching on him. You know what I'm saying? But he doesn't feel God's call to preach. And, of course, I joke around with him, you know, if you just answer your mail, <laughs> you know, you would open it up and you'd say, oh, it's called to preach. And, I, again, joking around, but he, I mean, when we get serious about it, he just says, I don't feel that God has called me to preach, but he helps me to teach. And so I know he has teachers like that. We joke around, though. Lots of times, you know, when, when the preacher preach in revival services or whatever, you know, the mail lands in your, <laughs> in your lap, clearly addressed to you. <laughs> we just want to ignore it. No, if I don't open it, it doesn't apply, right? Like that bill, you know, my mom's bill. I just put it on the mantle, don't open it. I know it's a bill, but if I don't open it and see how the amount, then I'm not responsible for it. There's people like that. My mom was like that. And that's what we are sometimes, especially going into revival. You know, I want revival, Lord. He says, okay, this is what you need to do. And it lands on your lap, and it's got your name clearly on it. <laughs> and you say, ugh. If I open it, then I know what I'm going to do. We just ignore what to do with it. And we just say, we know it's for us, but we say, we want to we wanna say it's not. And so if you just open it and do it, then that'll be helpful. So then that kind of brings us to this. All right, so Second Peter chapter number 2. Again, we've already rehearsed and seen where one, you know, chapter number 2 builds upon one. And, but within the chapter 2, there's that, um, uh, that theme that, you know, again, it goes through there, the holiness. And oh, I mean Second Peter. Something was wrong here. Uh, the holy holiness and everything throughout chapter number one and getting over here because the wherefore, chapter number two starts out with the wherefore, which goes to back to chapter number one. 
Again, it is, you know, a single letter like we talked about this morning. But um, so we, we talked about the newborn babes and the desiring the milk, the, the uh, burping in the building. We want to get in a little bit more about the building tonight, the lively stones there. We talked about uh, the spirit, the, the chief cornerstone. I'm going to probably labor that a little bit more. Um, but we're going to go on, we're going to move, but I am going to kind of start and um, maybe rehearse a little bit, uh, which will kind of back up a little bit while we're where we sat this morning. But let's just pick up our reading in verse number one of chapter two. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and, hi- and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. If so be that ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious. We dealt with that one night, and it was just all the the seasoned saints that night. We're talking about tasting of the Lord, and we got a little bit in some of the the deeper things, if you want to put it that way, that night, and and I think God is in that. I really do anyway. So tasting the Lord, his graciousness and his goodness. We talked about that. But anyway, to, to verse number four, to whom coming... As into a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. And we are going to see the priesthood again tonight. And again, I may the next time around just deal with that theme specifically. Uh, as it applies to us believers. We're not going to go there tonight, but we see it there. We also see it in verse number 9, where we're going to be taking our main thought tonight. I say our main thought. Uh, Verse number 6, wherefore also, so we're to uh, build up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifice acceptable to God by Jesus Christ, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone elect precious that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded unto you therefore which believe he is precious but unto them which be disobedient the stone which the builders disallowed the same is made the chief uh, of the a chief I'm sorry made head of the corner now I thought when I was reading this over how how interesting that it was that when I read this morning uh, in Hebrews 10 38 and 39 now the just shall live by faith but if any man draw back my soul shall have no pleasure in him but we are not of them who draw back into perdition but them that believe to the saving of the soul and we talked about that believe and that faith and and the drawing back and who that was to and it was to but ye are uh, but them that believe, let's see, but we are not of them who draw back into perdition, but of them that believe unto the saving of the soul. And we see here how that uh, there in verse number 7, unto you therefore which believe, there's that word again, verse number uh, 6, and he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Unto you therefore which believe, there's that faith again, he is precious. So that we see again that recurring theme, that faith and that belief that we have. 
this side of salvation. It's talking to the saints of God again. Not unto salvation, but this side of salvation. The just shall live <laughs> by faith. And a stone, verse number 8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. We touched on that a little bit. Verse number 9, but ye, again, who is he writing to? He's talking to that elect, that scattered elect. Um, ye are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood and holy nation, a peculiar people. Earlier I seen three there, but there's four. There's four things that we are right there. And again, we may break that down and deal with them a little bit individually, uh, at least one or two of them, but what are, well, let's just read it and finish it. So, a chosen generation, a royal appreciated and holy nation, a peculiar people, semicolon, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into, this, into his marvelous light, <coughs> which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtain mercy. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for the day, for Sunday school, and for the fellowship, and for uh, visitors again this morning. Pray for the Freddie stayed and ate with us, Lord, and I pray that you would uh, just continue to, uh, Lord, just help us to minister to him and uh, to Roy and Virginia and Michael and the Alexanders. I pray uh, that, uh, Lord, that they, that you would just work in their hearts and their lives, that they would take the word uh, this week, and that you would just help them to think upon something that was said this morning and uh, that you would deal with them and open their understanding to the gospel. Pray, Lord, for us tonight on this side of salvation, uh, Lord, that our as we go out this week, that you give us something in our lives, Lord, to increase our faith and to live by faith and to, uh, to, uh, to draw upon that we can be the light in this dark, sinful world that we ought to be and a witness to, to those that are lost. Ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. And amen. I am going to deal with verse number 9 just a little bit, something that popped out along those lines. And But first, I want to go back to verse number 6. Verse number 6. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture. Now back up. Verse number 5. So ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. There it is. To offer the spiritual sacrifices. We'll say more about that in a minute. Acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are lively stones. And we're built up. Each individual, you know, has got a... and I've kind of run across some of it too. I've heard uh, Brother uh, Ronnie Simpson preach on several different occasions and Brother Simpson has a degree in psychology. He applies the psychology in Christianity, in Christendom, and as he reads, uh, and, and of course the personalities that, that we all have, the personality traits that we have, 
disciples and of course him being uh, the preacher that he is and the studied man that he is he's looking at the disciples and Peter was such and such of these these character traits he has main one was this and he's got a secondary of this and Luke was this and probably just based on what we know about the end of scriptures and he brings that a lot out in his writings and brother Chris has been um, uh, exposed to that in his studies and we were kind of talking about a little bit of that last night and I've seen a, something very similar to this little test that you can take. Uh, the other came up in conversation with a fellow at work, and, uh, you know, he was talking about um, a 16, something or another. And anyway, you take this thing, and it, it kind of tells you how you are, your strengths and your weaknesses. Brother Chris has got one of those Dr. Simpson, Simpson little tests to kind of tell what personality traits that you are. And when you know, again, when you know what you are strong in and what you know when you know what you're weak in, then it helps you to find your place in the building as a lively stone or in the body, if you want to put it that way, because we could go to various scriptures and the scripture talks about the church being that building or the church being that body. And when we find our strengths, but then one the conversation I was having at work, when the the leader, if you want to put it that way, and that just I'm standing up here and trembling as I, I'm not supposed to be in that position, but whenever the, the leader, the pastor, the overseer, uh, you know, sees learns the people and learns the strengths of the people, you know, it's I'm still learning. Especially, you know, even after two years, I'm still learning a lot, you know, and you're learning about me and I'm learning about you. But, you know, as we grow and as we build the, 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 the work, uh, you know, if I as the leader, the pastor of the church can direct you and your strengths to, to be here in this part of the ministry and other people and their strengths to be in this part of the ministry, then we build up the church accordingly. But recognizing individually what our strengths are and individually what our weaknesses are and not letting pride get in the way, that's what happens a whole lot of times. You know, and, and again, the, the test that Brother Chris was, was talking about the other night, you know, you have a primary, a primary personality trait and a secondary and uh, and and one of the things, and so, so again, not being you know, if if I can't sing a lick, why would I want to be the song leader? See what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and letting pride get anyway, why you know that puts me up in front of people, you know. And yes, like Brother Tim has said, we kind of joked around. All you got to do is get up and start this, and everybody else will kind of carry it. But really, you probably need to at least carry it through a little bit. And, and timing, timing is a big deal too. So, but, you know, lots of times pride, well, well, why can't I? Well, brother, I hate to tell you this. <laughs> Have you heard yourself sing? No, you know, but, uh, but pride will get in the way lots of times. Or we, we, will, we will, again, think us bigger and better in areas than what we are. And it's just natural. It's our flesh. Brother, uh, well, I'll just a little bit. Uh, 
that's another message for another time. But, but, um, but we are built up as lively stones, a, a spiritual house, and in the holy priesthood. So we see the spiritual house, the holy priesthood there, and it, it's to something. And we'll get to that in a minute because in verse number 9, there's four things there. And, it's, and we are to do some of the same things as we see here. But I want to get to verse 6. Wherefore, because we are built up that spiritual house, because we are those lively stones, uh, wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious. Now, Brother Tim's next lesson <laughs> is the rock. And, and it's just... And this is how God puts it all together. It's amazing. You know, and the rock and that chief cornerstone, again, we, we dealt with it just a teeny tiny bit, and I thought that I would deal with this, the object of our faith this morning. We kind of touched on it. You know, and I was going back over it. And I, I, of course, on work credit. Did, did you listen to the music up there today, Tim? Is that what you were talking about? If you surprise me, that's another story. But if I, if you don't surprise me and I identify you as non-poisonous, not harmful, and maybe some even helpful because you can kill the bad snakes, then I'm going to let you live. But if you're a rattlesnake or a copperhead or a water moccasin or a cobra, I have 
justifiable fear because I see something, it's tangible, you know, and I should be fearful of it. But so many times we fear things, but we can't go back to anything that is tangible. Why are you afraid of that? I don't know. I just am. Where is it coming from? Put your hands on the reason behind your fear. I can't. Well, then why are you fearing? So the opposite side of that, that, that foundation of our faith, the object of our faith, which is Christ, Sometimes we do have legitimate fears. And I thought about taking a, if I had an old rickety chair. You know, I could put a chair out here and I could examine it and I could wiggle it. And it, it's, it's all well and good. It's sturdy enough. And I, I say, okay, I feel that I can put some faith that it's going to hold me up. I'll see when it comes to business to my brain. Even as a child of God, we allow fears to come in our life. And when questioned as to what tangibly is there to cause you to fear, you can't answer that question. There's nothing there. So why fear? It goes back to arguing with that lively stone. Built up on the foundation of Christ. You go back to the to where we was at this morning in Hebrews 11. You know, again, because of first number one, the substance of our faith, the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, and then we read all the accounts of the people behind that, the rest of the chapter, and we look at men as their examples of their faith, and they were men just like we were, but they believed. They were justified by their faith. They seen all the miracles happen of their faith or they were able to go through the times of destitution and so on and so forth because of their faith because they wasn't looking at the now and now. They was looking beyond. They were looking at the hereafter. And they realized, again, I know brother, <laughs> brother, Glenn's not got there yet, but I often run there. Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. There's some future glory to be revealed where? In us. All the, the saints that we read there in Hebrews 11, it was revealed eventually. 
Some of them never seen it on this side of the earth. But they died looking. <laughs> and as some people put that, that great cloud of witnesses, I've heard people that just, you know, people that died in faith. I made it, you can too. It's worth it. Just keep on plugging on. Wherefore, also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay, uh, uh, lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and that he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. I look that word up in disorder or perplexed. He... That believeth on him. There's that word shall again. We heard the shall and the will last week, this morning. Shall and will shall not be confounded. Again, it goes back to our faith in the chief cornerstone. Our foundation, the object of our faith. So when you stand fearful, okay, I, I do get... I do fear. I just don't show it a whole lot. Um, but as I put it, Lisa, uh, to Lisa lots of times, if I'm not afraid, I'm not real confused. But it's it just the Bible the sun. There's a funnel cloud that is headed our way, okay? <laughs> but I, I don't get concerned. I mean, I don't allow that concern to get me to just where I just totally fall apart. Because I know, based on my training, what to do about that. I know where the better part, of the, the best part of the building to get into to face that. Thank the Lord I've got a hole in the ground in my garage over here. But I know how to mitigate that. I know how to, I'm prepared, I understand what the destruction can come from it, and I understand how to hopefully, live through one of those if I go and do what I know to do. So yes, I am fearful, but at the same time, based on what I know about it, I'm, just, I'm not just like totally devastated. Some people get so locked into fear, they can't do nothing. And that's not the way we as the children of God should be. We shouldn't be confounded. We shouldn't be in disorder. We shouldn't be perplexed. Why? <laughs> he that believeth on him shall not be confounded. Where's your faith? We preach along the lines of faith overcoming fear. Here it is again, basically. What is the object of your faith? And what is the object of your fear? Is there something there? Okay, if there's a snake there, if there's a tornado there, that's justifiable. I can point to that and say, yes, I should be afraid. But lots of times there's nothing there. You can't, you can't point back to anything. You're just afraid. And people suffer that. And I'm not discounting fear in people's lives. I'm not. I'm just not geared that way. And, and that's one of my problems. 
trying to learn to empathize or at least sympathize or to understand. To understand is a good word. I'm trying to understand folks that, that, that way. And I don't always accomplish that. To my detriment sometimes. But I try. And I, and I get frustrated. Because I'm saying, where is the fear? Because that's the way I see things. Tornado, I understand. Snake, I get it. Fear with nothing to grab a hold of? I don't get it. Because I try to live here. I look to the chief cornerstone. Again. When the preacher gets a gun stuck in their nose in the bathroom, you know, trying to be robbed, several, you know, there's been preachers that way. John R. Rice was one of them. Are you threatening me with harm? You know, I know a man. I knew a man that was uh, that was robbed in a, he, he was working in a convenience store and he was robbed at the convenience store. He said, I ain't giving you my cat my money. And he says, you know, basically he had the gun, he aren't and he was taking the little aluminum foils that you wrap up the hot dogs and stuff in, and he was wadding them up and throwing them at the robber. <laughs> said, you ain't getting my money. And again, he's like, wasn't you afraid? He had a gun or he had a knife. He said, no, I'm not afraid. I'm going to go to heaven if he's killed. And he didn't get the money. <laughs> and he didn't shoot the, the guy that I know either. But uh, anyway. But again, we're built on the foundation of Christ. All right, let's get on to verse number nine. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation, a peculiar people. Four things there. Semicolon. And the reason I point out the semicolon after those four things that are listed there is because in each of those stations, it's a good word, in each of those stations that we are, as a child of God, we have a singular work, a singular job to do in each of those stations. So you're a chosen generation, one, a royal priesthood, two, a holy nation, three, a peculiar people, four, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light which in time past were not a people, but are, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So in each of those stations, there's one task for us to do, and it's to show forth praises unto, um, uh, yeah, unto him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. And we see again that is rehearsed again over there, and we're going to look at the priesthood probably separately next time. Verse number 5 and verse number 9. But verse number 5 said pretty much the same thing. Um, ye as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. There again, so we're a spiritual house and holy priesthood. To do what? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So those praises. That's what we are to do in those stations. And I couldn't help. Again, and I've rehearsed this recently, but um, 
in Hebrews chapter number 13. I believe it is, if I can get there. Or maybe it's 12. <laughs> Let's see here. Absolutely, there we go. Uh, verse number 15 of Hebrews 13. By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. What is the sacrifice of praise? Now, that says sacrifice of praise. Verse number 5 of Hebrew, I mean, 1 Peter 2 says um, to offer up spiritual sacrifices. And then verse number 9 says to offer up uh, to show forth praises of him uh, to whom he hath called you. So there's praises, there is sacrifices, and then there is the sacrifice of praise in, verse, in, in Hebrews 13. And the sacrifice of praise is what? And it says, he goes on. So the fact, sacrifice of praise to God continually, what is that? That is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name. But to do good and to communicate, forget not, for such, for with such sacrifices God is well pleased. I'm not going to chide you because I am just as guilty, but I'm getting ready to mention But, you know, there are times that the Lord will nudge you. in the past as well. But then there's other times when the Lord nudges the preacher just to give an opportunity for you to say something for the Lord. Now whether it's thanking the Lord for your salvation or it's thanking the Lord for some some other blessing that he has is provide, allowed you to have here in recently. And and some people what gets me is you wonder because you never hear a grunt out of them and you know they've been saved 40 years. You don't even hear, I thank God that I'm saved, let alone I thank God for providing for me, you know, a new car or providing for me, you know, uh, you know helping me pay my bills and, or, or, or getting me up out of the hospital off the bed of affliction or a lot of different things that God does for you. But we never say anything. We never, it's, it, what is it said right there? It said... For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. What is a sacrifice? Giving thanks to his name. The fruit of our lips. And I don't mean for every. I mean, everybody could. But when the preacher is nudged to say, hey, has anybody got a word of thanks or a word of praise for the Lord? Everybody just kind of.
sacrifice over here in in first peter one is praises there in verse number nine the other one just says sacrifice it just says spirits offer up spiritual sacrifices and again brother bell don't go there don't go there you know i'm going to don't go there brother bell don't go there romans chapter 12 I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Wait, wait, did we read mercy over here a minute ago? Yeah, right there. Which were, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. What? <laughs> I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, you've obtained mercy. You didn't. Before, but you now have. And by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living, uh-oh, there it is again, sacrifice. Holy, acceptable God, which is your reasonable service. Now, again, this will go back probably in the next time we visit First Peter, and that is that royal who in the Old Testament offered up the sacrifices? The priest did. Our bodies, a living sacrifice. We're not flaying our bodies. Flaying, that means skinning them out. And that's what they had to do with the sacrifices. They would cut the throat and the blood then they would flay the sacrifice. They would take all the skin off, and they would cut it up into parts. They would, the fat, they would remove the fat. The fat was the Lord. Sometimes, depending on the sacrifice, the fat, God, God always got the good stuff. He got the fat. <laughs> I've seen people on that pork chop or on that bacon, you know, they'll just eat the, the red part of the bacon. I'm like, you're, you know, pull off the white part, you know, and they'll set it aside. Set it aside. I'm like, give me that. <laughs> and they're like, ew, you like the fat? I said, that's the good part. That's what God wanted. <laughs> that's what adds the flavor. So they separated the fat. They cut it into pieces. You know, so we're not having, and that's what Abraham would have had to do to Isaac. When you get that, that picture, you're like, And we don't have to flay ourselves and cut ourselves up. Hallelujah. But we're a living sacrifice. And in living sacrifices, that offering up thanksgiving and praise and sacrifices to our lips is well-pleasing our God. Our works is well-pleasing. We're a spiritual house, an holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable. And that is just building upon our faith. Looking to, to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He began our faith. He started it all, and he's going to finish it all. Without him, we wouldn't have any faith. Without him, there wouldn't be no mercy. There would be no grace. And so, again, 
the chosen generation. I just mentioned it a little bit. We may deal with it a little bit later. I know probably next time we will look at the priesthood a little bit more differently and how it applies to us. But uh, the chosen generation, one of the things is, is just to consider, you know, in offering up the praises, even our lips and these praises here, you know, again, that ye should show forth the praises. But again, and, 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 and there's four things there, but when we reflect upon those four things, there's only one task, and that's the praising. But then thinking about the chosen generation. Of course, again, our, our hyper-Calvinist friends will run to that. I had a fella... There's a fellow that visited Island Ford a few times. He's come there pretty regularly for a while, and then it just kind of hit and miss. But you could tell, and he claimed to be a preacher, and you could tell in his conversations when kind of he, and he's one that had a tendency to, to look around and knew he could pull an ear. So he found who he could pull an ear on. He tried to pull it on me, but we done marked him. And he's a good guy, and, you know, all in all, and he, he ran for city council and served a term there and done some things in the community and he worked uh, some places. And, but he leaned Calvinistically. <laughs> and he invited Lisa and uh, I, me and the kids, Lisa over to his house for dinner one night. So I told Brother Hall, he knew I was going. Brother Hall knew that I was probably solid enough not to be swayed by this young man, by this man. But the way his house was set up, uh, it was a beautiful house, but it's an older house. And uh, so, like I said, the kitchen is there. This is the living room. So the kitchen is here, and there was just a little, what I would call a little drawing room. Just, just a small room between the kitchen and the living room. Very small room. It had a desk in there. I think it went from the kitchen, went to the living room, and maybe a door to a, bed, a downstairs bedroom or something that was here. So that they had a desk and a very small room. But as you're going into the living room, it looked kind of like, well, it wasn't one of, uh, I don't know, Kim, uh, Thomas Kincaid. It wasn't a Thomas Kincaid, but it was something along those lines. Somebody had had the talent, and they they had painted Noah's Ark. So they had the ark up here, and had all these animals, and it was a scene like you would see in some of the Bible picture books. So you had a big old print there. So you know, I was walking through, and you know, you go into people's houses, you admire the things up on the wall, and you look around, and so you want to have some things to converse, you know, have conversation about. Well, I seen this print. And I just stopped there for a moment. And I was looking at it, and he goes, Brother, he said, you know why I bought that ark? And I said, no. He said, well, it just really spoke to me. You know, <laughs> really spoke to me. I, he goes, I got to looking at this, and I got to thinking, out of all the giraffes that was in the world in Noah's time, why did God choose those two? <laughs> out of all the elephants that was on the world why did God choose those two to get on the ark <laughs> so uh, you know, that's what we 
side. And I knew that he was he was that way, but but he anyway, he pointed that out. But then there's where they want to go to. But again, he's not. We you can apply it to yourself, but he said generation. Okay, so keep in mind again who is he writing to? He's writing to. The strangers scattered throughout Pontius Galatia, Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God, um, the Father through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Now, that generation, now, it could be that that scattered bunch, <laughs> the scattered elect, were Gentiles. One, based on the places that he was talking about. Two, it could be based on the fact that we were not a people of God, but now are. So we can apply that to the Gentiles, who were not a people of God, but now are the people of God. The church, who, were, who had not obtained mercy. Applied to the the church generation, the the Gentile nations. It can be applied a lot of times. The people, the 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 Calvinistic fellers will want to put just a single person. You are chosen, and it is a fact that there was a time way down on my knees. He passed by my way. He called me, and he did, and I can I can glory in that. I can. And again, I, I, I go back and I can be thankful or testified of the three times that he dealt with me. He passed by my way another time. Uh, the Caracos uh, sing a song. Uh, he could have walked on by. And he talks about, you know, uh, like the, the blind man and, or maybe blind Bartimaeus. But he could have walked But I'm glad that he stopped. He could have walked right on by me. And I would have died lost in my sins. But I'm glad he passed by my way again. And passed by my way a third time. And he, when I called out unto him, he stopped. Could have walked on by, but he didn't. He stopped. But I had to call out on him. But he passed by my way on them other two occasions. back and I thought man you know and Brother Hall talks about all the times and he could give you instances of when death and I read that again this morning we are but one step from death I got to thinking about well got 
thinking about some people that have died of late. We come in our sit in our services, and we don't know that this our next service will be. We got word that Brother uh, Brunson's dad was doing good. <laughs> that he had his lungs was clearing up, Amen. and his lungs were clearing up, were clearing up. But we got the blood clots, and the blood clots got him. But we got word on a on a prayer meeting night that he was doing much better. But the next word we got was he was dead. And what after tonight, between now and next Sunday, we there's no guarantees. Yeah. And so that, that mercy, <laughs> the mercies that we we have day by day, and that, that goes back to the praises. We are that chosen generation, and we can be thankful and show forth praises that he chose me. That he stopped when I called out on him. That he... He passed by my way and tugged my heart one more time and showed me that I was in need of a Savior. Thank the Lord. I hadn't obtained mercy, but then I obtained mercy. And I, a chosen generation, I'm a chosen person. He chose me. And I'm thankful for that. A royal priesthood, again, we'll deal with that in, 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 later on in the details, but a holy nation, a peculiar people. And these things, will, as we dwell, as we muse upon these, and hopefully I will be bringing more of these out as they are, as it pertains to us individually and as a church here, but then each of these things should cause us to show forth those praises. And then thinking about the mercies of God. Uh, I have it written in one of my other books, Bibles. Um, no, he wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> but uh, grace and mercy and uh, judgment. Is it judgment? Judgment is what we deserve. Wrath of God is what we deserve. Mercy is, is what you don't deserve. No, and grace is... Uh, get it, say... Wrath is getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And grace, no. Anyway, I got it written down. And as I said, you know what I'm talking about. You've probably heard it before, and I'm going to have to write it, find it in another Bible, put it in this one. But uh, the mercy of God. You know, we could, we could be experiencing wrath. Like several preachers have said, I've heard it attributed to a lot of preachers, you know, we, we deserve to be in hell with our neck broke or our back broke. But God, who is rich in mercy, and those mercies were shown to us, and again, that should cause us to show forth praises to him who hath called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. Amen. Amen. So anyway... So, like I said, building upon this morning, I think I'm going to be done. Building upon this morning in our faith, the object of our faith, what tangibly can we look upon that Jesus Christ, what we, we build our faith upon, that is lived by faith, live by faith, not hit and miss, 
day of our lives by faith. Oh, I'm going to believe today and not believe tomorrow. Live by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we have that key thing there. We have an object of our faith. We have, I mean, that we are built upon that faith. Because the point is saying Jesus Christ. We put our faith in him into salvation. But then there's so much more, like it's discussed this morning in reading through Hebrews, there's so much more that we have and can attain in him. And if it's a justifiable fear, then go ahead and fear. It's justifiable. You can put a, you can put something to it. Tornado, snake, fire, drowning, cancer. other terminal illness I get it but just to fear to be fearing I don't get it so I want you to if you're that way look for what you're worried about if you can't really find it then why are you worrying about But look also to the author and finisher of our faith and build your faith upon him and live that way. And then, and then just being sacrifice of praises, thanksgiving, praises our lips, and just to praise him in each of those offices or each of those positions that we read there in verse 9. And we will look at those separately or at least look at them again <laughs> a little bit in more in depth especially that royal priesthood part since it's also in verse number five and how that we can look at the priesthood in the old testament and what their office held and what their duties held and make application to us we can look at the sacrifices we've kind of alluded to tonight that they killed but we're to be that living sacrifice and we'll try to make a little bit more um, in-depth study along those lines when we get to there. I think that we're going to be done. Oh, yeah. the um, Well, I did have a scripture, scripture reference in First First uh, Corinthians 14.40 on let everything be done decently and in order, and that disorder, that word confounded there in, in verse 4. Anybody got a word? Yes, sir. right.
Amen. <laughs> yes, sir. Amen. Yes, sir. Amen. Right. 
Yes, sir. Amen. That's right. Amen. 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 Give him the glory. Kings and priests. There's the kings. Royal priesthood. Mm-mm. Anybody else? <laughs> yes, ma'am.
talk about the precepts of the Word of God and the Word of God being your your map in life. I had the opportunity to throw in a little plug the other day. So Friday, because we were supposed to have classes yesterday and today, so Friday the building manager, one of our staff members was asked to go check on the building make sure the water wasn't frozen my supervisor asked him to go ahead and shovel well there was more snow to shovel than one man could really do so 
I went over and uh, another fella. But anyway, so one fella says, I said, Willie, shoot you some help. And by the way, it's cold as hell out here. I know that's the wrong context, but I said, hell is not cold. <laughs> on the text. And then he said, well, I don't know. I've never been there. I said, I've got it on pretty good authority. I said, I've got it on good authority. I got it on good authority. Hell's not cold. Anyway, but that changed him toward me when I got over there. So I'm hoping little things like that, little plugs here and there, to get him to think. And uh, so, that's right. That's right. I got it on good authority. Well, anybody else? Appreciate your.